Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday edition of uh, John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Yes, we made it through another week, and we end the week, at least if you're vaccinated, not having to wear masks anymore. We've been unmasked in a good sense, not in the sense that I used to use it when I covered uh, the National Security Agency. Uh, masks are not necessary any longer for those of us who are double vaccinated. Life is getting back to normal. People will have a long debate about whether it should have got back to normal a long time ago, whether the timing of this announcement is due to something other than science and medicine. We can debate that. We're going to report on it a lot here at Just the News. But the truth of the matter is we're heading into the first weekend in over a year where we can kind of live normally and have masks off wherever we want to be. Some of you may have gotten ahead of that, and that's fine, too. Uh, everybody makes their own personal decision. But on this Friday... It is a, um, a worth celebrating and noting that uh, we are a little more liberated. We're getting some of those personal freedoms that have been stripped from us. We see more churches opening, more states being told they couldn't infringe on religious liberty. We see 13 states, all of them Republican-run, that have said to the United States government, we no longer want your COVID-19 unemployment $300 check, the Biden check. Why? because it's actually suppressing employment. People are not going out and looking because you're paying them to stay home. Uh, great story today by my colleague Alex Nitzberg on the site. Go check that out. Now, we've got a fun show, uh, and I want to get to it because we've got two guests. Not one guest. It's Friday. We've got to go a little different. So we've got two guests. First up, Josh Mandel. He is a uh, Marine who fought in the Iraq war. He is the former treasurer of the great state of Ohio, and he is one of the Republicans running for the open Ohio Senate seat. Uh, the Rob Portman seat is going to be one of the big elections next year in 2022. I like to introduce new candidates from all the parties whenever they're available, get you to know them, learn about where they stand on issues, have a conversation like we would if we were sitting down at dinner. And so Josh Mandel's here. And then when we finish up with that, we're going to tell you the story Actually, she's going to tell you the story of a nurse in New Jersey who had the gumption to question the science, the school district's idea that school children had to be masked at all times in the New Jersey school system. Erin Pine, a, nice, a nurse who raised that question in a video, was suspended and now on the process of being fired from her job 
by raising a question about masks. This just happened last week. Ironically, today, what did the CDC say? Vaccinate adults. You can throw your mask off. You're done. Well, we're going to tell you the story of Erin. You can decide for yourself whether she made good decisions or bad decisions. Um, there's the question of her uh, wearing the mask uh, herself. She went to school not wearing it one day. That uh, violated school policy. Uh, you can make a decision whether that was a good move or not. But her also her argument of the impact of the constant chronic wearing of masks by school children at school, the developmental issues, the anxiety issues, the learning issues that she saw as a nurse treating these students. It says a very powerful story, something I haven't heard talked about much in the, the last six months uh, of students coming and throwing up in classroom because they just couldn't take the anxiety of a, of a mask um, that the mask caused. That uh, They couldn't read their teacher's facial expressions and would get concerned that the teacher was mad at them or unhappy with them because they just simply couldn't see the expression that one gets from their teacher's face. <laughs> Lord knows I had to read a lot of those expressions when I was a kid in Catholic grammar school. But uh, we're going to bring Aaron Pine here. I think you're going to enjoy both of these interviews. Josh Mandel, Aaron Pine, coming up right after this commercial break. <laughs> Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. This is one of my favorite things to do each week. Introduce our audience to somebody running for Congress or governor or Senate. And today we have with us Josh Mendel from the great state of Ohio, who is running for the open Senate seat in Ohio. Josh, great to have you aboard. Hey, John, great to be on. You are have a, a remarkable background, and I always like to start uh, as someone's running for office, just to introduce your personal story, Marine, politics. Uh, you have so many really rich parts to the texture of your life. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to get into politics. Uh, sure. My uh, my grandparents inspired me both uh, into public service and also in the Marine Corps. Uh, my uh, grandfather, Joe, was a Holocaust survivor, survived Auschwitz and multiple other camps. He wow. lost his entire family there. Mm. And he was he was liberated by Allied troops. My grandmother, Fernanda, she was an Italian Jew, which was relatively uncommon. Right. About 50,000 50, of them in Italy during World War II. And there was this network of courageous Christian families that got together to save kids in their community. And so my grandmother was hidden and saved by an incredibly courageous Christian family. And if you think, John, about the, the level of courage it takes to risk your own life and the lives of your own children to save a complete stranger. You know, I believe that that level of courage only comes from one place and it's, it's one's faith and belief in God. And uh, at that same time, while my 
grandfather Joe was in the camps and my grandma Fernanda was being hidden by these incredibly courageous Christian families, my grandfather Harold from Cleveland, Ohio, was uh, wearing the uniform of our great country, of the United States Army Air Corps. And so when I was growing up here in the Cleveland area, it was hammered into me that in this life, I, I owe two debts. I have to, two debts I have to pay back in this life. One was to this network of incredibly courageous Christian families who made it possible for me to be here today, made it possible for my kids, Gideon, Judah, and Rosie to be here today. And the, the second debt uh, was to the United States of America and the United States military, uh, brave men who paid the ultimate sacrifice in places like Normandy and Omaha Beach and Iwo Jima, and ultimately uh, liberated my grandfather, liberated Europe. And, and so my whole life has been lived off of paying back those debts to this network of courageous Christians and to the U.S. military. And it's why I joined the Marine Corps. It's why I've served in, uh, in public service here. It's why I'm running for the United States Senate. And it's why I've been such a warrior and pointy tip of the spear leader for religious liberty and religious freedom and the Judeo-Christian values on which America was founded and grew strong. Yeah, it's just amazing. And uh, you've already had a rich uh, career in public service. So you, you've served eight years as the tre- state treasurer of Ohio, right? So you serve a statewide office. You also was, uh, were a straight uh, representative before that, correct? Correct, correct. So I, uh, I was the guy in Ohio who was uh, taking on Kasich. So while my buddy <laughs> Jim Jordan, yeah, while my buddy Jim Jordan was in Washington taking on Boehner and McCarthy and all these other guys, I was in Ohio uh, taking on the radical left, but also taking on Kasich. Uh, you know, I, I figured out early on while I was state treasurer and Kasich was governor that he was just a squishy establishment Republican and, and really more like a Democrat. And uh, I, I led the charge, you know, against him on the when he was trying to do the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, sure. when he was trying trying to raise taxes on small businesses. Um, I, I, I defied him when, when he was trying to keep the finances of the state in the shadows. I took the state's checkbook and put it online. I uh, created the largest. What a novel idea. Now. Transparency for right. the American taxpayer, right? You got it, man. It was the whole the whole premise was the taxpayers have a right to know how the tax money is being spent, and by shining sunlight on spending, I was just going to transfer the power from the politicians to the people. What an amazing idea! You know, it's so funny on this issue of protecting the taxpayers' dollar. When I first came in as a reporter, there was this liberal Democrat, in fact, from Wisconsin by the name of Bill Proxmire. And he created an award called the Golden Fleece. And every week he would shame some federal agency for wasting Americans' dollars. And it would get attention everywhere. You know, ABC News would cover it. It was on the networks. Uh, 35, 40 years later, you can have a story like what broke yesterday, where the Secret Service recovers $2 billion, $2 billion of fraudulent PPP money. And no one even covers it. it. Like it's a, it, it falls like a tree in the forest. You really have taken the taxpayers' money seriously and you really believe in protecting it don't you i mean you're a rare politician in today's um world because so many have just gotten used to the wasteful spending and given up but this is very close to your heart isn't it it is it is and listen one of the reasons why i think we need younger people in the conservative movement um is because 
we need folks in there who understand the intersection of government and technology and business and technology. And so because of my understanding of technology, I was able to create this website, ohiocheckbook.com, and use it as a transparency tool to hold politicians' feet to the fire. Um, but in Washington, you know, my, my knowledge on technology is really going to enable me to take on these big tech thugs out of Silicon Valley who are censoring and silencing us as conservatives. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Now, you've been always outspoken. I think a lot everyone who knows and reveres you and respects you know you, you speak your mind, you mean what you say, and you say what you mean. And so you would occasionally confront um, uh, Governor Kasich during the time when he was governor. Uh, this week, you took on uh, Governor DeWine and, uh, over the million-dollar lottery prize. I think you called it the Willy Wonka uh, prize. Um uh, to, to give five $1 million taxpayer-funded gifts to people who went out and got a vaccine. Uh, what, what got your attention with that, that uh, stunt that uh, the governor played? Well, John, it was just that. It was a stunt. It was a, it was a wasteful gimmick. And for your listeners that haven't followed this in Ohio, our governor announced that he was going to take $5 million of our tax money and split it up into five $1 million sweepstakes prizes. Wow. Um, anyone who had a vaccine can put their name in the hat. And every Wednesday, he's going to pick a name out of a hat and give them a million dollars of our tax money um, just because they had a vaccine. I mean, it is, it, it's outrageous on so many levels. First of all, it's completely wasteful. Um, it's, it's a perfect example of why bailouts are a horrible idea. You know, when the federal government bailout fails out states, the states look at the money as free money instead yep. of looking at it as taxpayer money. And they do ridiculous, wasteful things like this. And yeah, I called him, I called DeWine Willy Wonka because that's what it's like. It's, it's, it's like, he's <laughs> like, you know, who's got the golden ticket? You got the, the, I mean, the whole thing is, it's outrageous in so many levels. But, but, but listen, John, I've been taking on DeWine for a long time. You have. He's a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. See, he, 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 here's my deal. I believe in liberty. I believe that liberty and our freedom is worth fighting for. And I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican trampling on our liberty, I'm going to be their worst nightmare. And that's what DeWine did with these shutdowns. You know, he, he used his bad math. You know, they, they predicated the shutdowns based on uh, an assumption of 62,000 cases per day. It ended up being 476. So DeWine was not even in the universe of accurate. And then he proceeds to shut down family-owned restaurants, mom and pop, barbershops, beauty shops, clothing stores. But guess who he lets stay open? Walmart, yeah. Target, the big boys. Costco, all, the, yeah, all these woke corporations. And it was just, uh, and he screwed the little guy, screwed the mom and pops, and he empowered these big woke corporations. And it was just, it was horrible on so many levels. And so yeah, I've been I've been taking him on. Uh, you know, I've been pretty pointy tip of the spear on taking him on. And people are like, Josh, you know, he's a Republican. You should be nice. And my feeling, John, is like I'm not in politics to make friends. I'm in politics to stand up for the Constitution, to stand up for our liberty as Americans, and to advance the Trump America First agenda. And I don't care who's in my way. I'm going to fight them and run right through them. Yeah, that you you have you have shown that throughout your career, and sometimes it ruffles feathers, but. That also reminds the voters that there's an authenticity, that your values are what drives your, uh, your decision-making, your, your words, uh, your actions, as opposed to the party stripe that's on your shoulder at the time that you're running. 
Uh, and I think that that's a, a quality that a lot of people are looking for in politicians today, authenticity, not, not uh, party allegiance only. And I think uh, it's interesting as I've watched your career evolve and uh, to, to see that, that that becomes a real uh, connection. I think you mentioned Jim Jordan. He's another guy that you know often would buck his party only because his principles as a conservative, as a Republican, matched uh, his his actions and his words. And I, I think people are craving that. They hear too many politicians that say one thing and do another, uh, the Gavin Newsom effect. And uh, I think um, folks are really pleased when they find someone that uh, doesn't do things because the party talking point set them to do it. They do it because of their belief system. And I, I, I look forward to watching how this uh, race unfolds. Now, faith is very important to you. Uh, you mentioned it in, in as you were introducing yourself. Uh, you've been very uh, concerned about sort of the secular attack on faith, on uh, the curriculum uh, that are going into various schools. Tell us uh, what you see and what you would do if you got in the U.S. Senate to address and push back about those concerns. Faith is at the centerpiece of my life. It's at the centerpiece of our campaign as well. Instead of running our campaign through traditional Republican Party groups, we're actually running our campaign through churches. And we have uh, pastors throughout the state of Ohio who've been hosting me at their churches, and we're having old-fashioned town hall meetings at churches. Wow. And that's the, that's the backbone of our campaign. I, I got to tell you, John, it, it's been so inspiring. We had a week or two ago, we were at Washington Heights Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio over 300 patriots there. Um, we were down at a church called Solid Rock Church in Lebanon, Ohio, between Dayton and Cincinnati. Sure. We had 500, 500 patriots there. And it's just unbelievable, the outpouring of support. And I think the, the voters here, they see that I'm willing to be bold and out front about protecting the Judeo-Christian values on which America was founded and grew strong, not radical Muslim values, not atheism, but Judeo-Christian values. And the, the center of those Judeo-Christian values is the recognition of good versus evil and our obligation to stand up for good and fight evil. And that's what I'll do as a United States senator. And, you know, you watch a lot of these senators in both parties, they, they, they wring their hands and they put their finger in the wind, you know, when it comes time to make tough decisions. Uh, but for me, like those tough decisions will be easy decisions because I'll make decisions as a senator with two documents in hand, the Bible in one hand and the Constitution in the other. Uh, it's a novel idea, isn't it? The, the two greatest um, um, uh, collections of, of values ever, ever assembled in the world. What a, what a remarkable thing. Um, you had service, obviously, in the military uh, during the Iraq war. You have been very outspoken, not only about what's going on in Israel, which I think so many Americans are concerned about, the rocket attacks, uh, the street warfare and, uh, and anarchy we've seen in the last few weeks, but you've also been very outspoken in taking on the squad and other members of Congress who seem to be embracing Hamas and its tactics and its ideology. Uh, 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 tell us a little bit about what concerns you with some of the progressive left in Congress who are uh, not only uh, shunning Israel, but more importantly, embracing implicitly or directly Hamas and other terrorist organizations. Yeah, I mean, this the quote-unquote squad, I started calling them the jihad squad because they're embracing a terrorist organization. You know, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Um, that's how the United States 
views them. That's how so many countries around the world view them. Plain and simple, they're a terrorist group. And if you just read their charter, like don't take my word for it. If you just read the Hamas charter, they talk about, you know, murdering and killing and, and like that, that, that is what they do. They think that they were sent to earth to kill Christians and Jews. And you know what? They follow through on it. They go out there and they kill Christians and Jews. And so we need to defend ourselves, um, whether it's terrorism here in the United States or it's in places um, abroad, it's important to support our allies' right to defend themselves. And today, that important ally is Israel. And Israel has every right, just as any other sovereign nation would, to defend itself and its citizens against terrorist attacks. And, uh, you know, Hamas is terrorizing women and children. They're murder- murdering innocent civilians. And it's not just Jews. They're trying to mur- murder Christians and others. That's right. And uh, and, and, and we as Americans you know, I believe should support the U.S.-Israel relationship, uh, and we should be champions for Israel's right to defend herself. And when you look at Elon Omar out of Minnesota or Rashida Tlaib out of uh, Michigan Michigan, or Corey Corey Bush out of Missouri, AOC out of New York, Jamal Brown out of New York, these guys are anti-Semites. They're bigots. And in my mind, like, they don't just hate Israel. I think they hate America. I think they all subscribe to the Saul Alinsky playbook, and they're trying to bring down America from within. And it's, you know, it, it's, in my mind, disgraceful that the Democrat Party puts people like Elon Omar on the Foreign Relations Committee, let alone in a leadership position there. And listen, here's the problem um, with the partisan politics in Washington. When the Republicans are in power, they give in to the Democrats. They act like total squishes. When the Democrats are in power, they exercise it. And that's what's going on. Um, Pelosi out of San Francisco, Schumer out of New York, the squad, Biden, Harris, whoever's running the country, like they exercise power. And you know, right now in Washington, like we don't need civility or bipartisanship coming out of the Republican Party. We need fighters. And I'm going to Washington to be a fighter. I'm going there to take on the squad, to take on Schumer, to take on Pelosi, to take on Biden take on the secular left. It's, um, you've been, uh, you have a great clarity of your message when people are, uh, you're talking to them, you, you know what you stand for, you know what you're going to do, and you're putting it all out there. And I think that's a, a really fun thing to watch. Uh, what are the dynamics in the primary uh, for you? I mean, what, what's key to your uh, ability to potentially seize the nomination and go up and get um, uh, the seat back or keep the seat in Republican hands next year? Sure. So as I mentioned, uh, we're running our campaign not through Republican Party groups, but instead we're running it through churches. And, uh, you know, the coalition that we've built is this very powerful coalition of evangelical Christians, other Christians and Catholics around the state, and then a ton of just like Trump supporters around the state. And we're all part of the 75 million. I don't say they, I say we, because I'm one of them. I'm one of us. And they're back in my campaign with such velocity and force and power. It's just so inspiring. And listen, the reason that the bold, energetic, anti-establishment conservatives are backing me is because they see my opponents are a bunch of finger-in-the-wind type people. One of my opponents you know, uh, called Trump an idiot. I have another opponent who voted for Evan McMillan, third party, when Trump was running against Hillary. I've got one opponent who defended Anthony Gonzalez's vote for impeachment. I've got one opponent who called Trump 
um, a con man, compared him to Hitler. I mean, these are the people that are running in the Republican Party not primary, not the Democrat Party primary. And so because all of them have said those wild things that are antithetical to the Constitution and to President Trump, um, we're in a big lead and we're going to keep it. And if any one of your listeners wants to support our cause, it's very easy. Just go to joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com, and uh, they can support the cause and get involved. That's pretty easy. And also, you, you've got a pretty active Twitter account. How do the folks follow you on social media? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's uh, Josh Mandel Ohio. You know, we're on Facebook as well. Today, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Tomorrow, you never know, John. I've actually, uh, <laughs> I've. I've been I've been suspended by you have. both of them. Yep. Yeah. So I, you know, I, you know, Facebook suspended me for calling them out when they uh, deleted this the page of the Nation of Islam cop killer. Right. And then when I call when I called them to the carpet on it, they said, "Oops, it was a quote unquote enforcement error." Right. And uh, you know that's what these big tech thugs do. Yeah. They uh, they target conservatives, silence conservatives, and uh, you know it's happening to conservatives all over the the, the country. When you look out, what is it important for conservatives to develop their own social media platforms that are just as good as Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram and YouTube going forward? I do. Gab, Parler, yep. Tele- Telegram. I hope uh, President Trump creates his own social media platform. I mean, li- listen, like it used to be that the Democrat Party had three legs to their stool. Right. It was the ab- abortionists who are right. murderers. It was the radical environmentalists who turned environmentalism into a religion, and it was the the government unions, especially the te- teachers unions, who you know use our tax money to care about adults and not kids. I would submit to you today, John, that Democrat Party is a five-legged stool because the the Deadwood media, the mainstream media, they have become a department of the Democrat Party, and then these big tech companies, um, Silicon Valley thugs, they've become a department of the Democrat Party as well. And they're not even like they don't try to hide it. They're like loud and proud about it. And, you know, CNN, the mainstream Deadwood media, Facebook, Twitter or Google, like they should be treated as if they are a a department of the Democrat Party because that is how they act. They don't try to hide it. And it's exactly what they are. Yeah, very important. Uh, Lots of people I talked to today, Josh, say the exact same thing. They really see that now. And um, and what's interesting is. As that alliance grows between those five uh, folks, many of the individual popularities, teacher unions' popularities are down. All unions' popularities are down. The media's popularity is way down. So as as they stray from their original missions, protecting workers, informing the American public neutrally, the American public is so smart, they've figured out that these institutions have abandoned their primary purpose or stated purpose and uh, the trust in those institutions go down. So it's a dynamic we're all going to have to watch. Josh, thanks so much for the time today. We wish you well on the campaign trail. Try to get you back on uh, in the next few months and get an update on all the good things going on in Ohio. That'd be great. And listen, on that last note about the media, it's ever that's why it's ever important that we have people like you doing what you did on the smoking out the hoax that was the Russia collusion investigation and others. You know, I that's when I became a big fan of yours and started following you when you were smoking out all this oh, garbage thank and you. fraud coming from the media on Russia collusion. It was the whole bad. Thing was a big hoax. Yeah, but but, but the, the mainstream media was not doing their job because all you know they were so subscribed and bought into Orange Man Bad that they refused to, as you said, do what their job was to be an independent arbiter and call balls and strikes. But instead, they were just 
doing the job of the Democrat Party. And thank God we had President Trump fighting the hoax. And we had people like you who were actually exposing what the Democrat Party and the media were doing, which was a complete fraud. It's an amazing thing, but facts turn out to be very stubborn. If you hold the facts, they usually will uh, get you the truth. <laughs> Simple there equation. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, best of luck to you, and uh, let's get you back in the show soon. All right. Take care, John. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got uh, the story of an extraordinary nurse, Erin Pine from New Jersey, suspended from her job, soon to be fired from it for raising questions about whether masks were necessary in classrooms. Going to get to that right after this. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And today we're taking you to school, to New Jersey, to a very courageous nurse named Erin Pine who had the courage last week to stand up and say that making children, school children, wear masks was counterproductive. It didn't protect them, and it was harming their learning. And for her honesty, for her belief, she was removed from her job. And we are lucky enough to have uh, Nurse Erin Pine with us. Erin, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. It's a remarkable story, one of free speech, one of medical and public health policy in one of fairness. It's such, a, such an extraordinary thing. Let's start off, uh, for those who don't know you, uh, you're, you're a nurse in the school district of Stafford Township in New Jersey, correct? Correct. Um, so I, I became a nurse in 2009. I went to school at William Patterson University. Great. And I've been working as a school nurse for the past four years, the last three full-time in Stafford Township. Wow, fantastic. And uh, always a fun thing. I still remember my grammar school nurse who was larger than life in our own school. And so we know what an important role you, you play in the school ecosystem. You're living through this COVID's a big medical deal the last year. What was it like to be in a school system to have children who had their own fears about COVID, right? Confused about what's going on. What was the, before you decided to stand up, just what was the general experience that, that, that young school children were going through in this, um, in this process? school this year is so different than any other year um, for these kids. And it's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and they're coming into the schools. Their desks are all separated. They're six feet apart. You know, they're being, when they walk in the hallways, they have to walk separated from each other. They can't go to recess and lunch with big groups, so they can only go in. You know, most of them are eating in their classroom, or they'll go out to recess, but only with their class. So they're not seeing the other kids in the school, really. Then they have um, common areas. So to, in order to make the room smaller, to make the class sizes smaller, they separate it. So sometimes they're in the classroom and other times they're in this common area, which is just the gym or the cafeteria, which has single desks spaced out every six feet. And it's just all day long. That's all they do in the common area when they're not in their classroom is sit at their desk and you know, go to the bathroom when needed. 
so it's really it's just not it's not a normal fun experience it's really scary and it's just it's it's terrible yeah and then obviously young children are processing everything they might hear on the radio or on television and you know this pandemic is scary to grizzly old adults like me so you can imagine what it is like for them um beyond the fun beyond the socialization beyond the normalcy that has been lost for these an entire generation of school children there's a public a public uh, health issue, which is the CDC has long said there's no danger to kids being in school and doing this. And you were worried that uh, the masks that they were wearing were interfering not just with social, but more importantly, their learning, right? That was your big concern. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of I've heard from multiple teachers all year long that these kids are preoccupied with their masks. They are touching them, playing with them, you know it's just it's not something that isn't is helping them with their learning it is actually hindering it especially for children who are hearing impaired or speech have speech issues um you know they can't see the the lips or you know that's difficult when they're reading lips and they didn't even know they were um stuff like that also you know children who are young they learn how to become adults by reading facial cues they know that their teacher is pleased with them when they smile at them or right. that their friend is upset when they're when they have a sad face and that's just a skill that you really learn when you're very young because you are finally introduced to other children in school. right you internalize uh, so that's something it, yeah. that could potentially yeah and it's something that could potentially save your life later on down the road when you can recognize you know body cues and body language so, um you know besides that just so much anxiety, like you had just said. I mean, these kids are coming in so fearful and so full of anxiety with stomach aches and crying and even to the point of vomiting because of their anxiety, which you, you normally mm. don't see in young children, like preschool, kindergarten, first grade, you know. Do you Did you see a lot more, uh, compared to a normal year, and it's hard to remember normal year now because we've been so long in this pandemic, but were more kids sick at school coming to you, worried, uh, anxiety that they might have COVID? Uh, what was the nurse's office itself like when, uh, in terms of the triage of patent, patients and the flow of patients in the school? Yeah, so uh, so many kids were coming in, yes, with, with anxiety and, and more often than not with stomach aches and, and headaches too. But um, I've had children as young as first grade come to me crying and saying, the masks make me nervous. And when I think about it really long, it hurts my stomach. And, you know, I had one girl come to me after vomiting in class and she said, mm. I'm not sick. Mommy knows this happens all the time. And I said, well, what do you mean this happens all the time? She said, I get really nervous and I start thinking something bad's going to happen. Mm. She said, sometimes it goes away, but then if I overthink about it, that's when I throw up. Wow. You know, I mean, that's, just, it's just heartbreaking, you know, that, that this is the situation that they're forced to be in. And and it's even more heartbreaking because we know that they are not, you know, virtually almost unaffected by COVID-19, you know. Right. So they Statistically, have survival it's 100% rate if they were true. Yeah, 99.997% yeah, survival rate for their age group. Wow. So, you know, and, and if they do get it, it's usually very mild. So not only is it extremely survivable and, and virtually not fatal at all, but they usually have mild symptoms like a like runny nose, you know, right, so right. we're forcing all of these very damaging, you know, mandates on them, especially these masks that are just really damaging them also physically as well. And it's, it's inappropriate and it's, it's abuse. So you, you watch this go on for a while. It's something at some point last week, you decided you were going to put a video up on YouTube and 
express your concern. Now, before you had done that, had you ever raised these concerns with principals and teachers, your supervisors in the school system? Yeah, actually, what led me to doing that was um, the inaction that I had from my supervisors. So I sent an email to my um, immediate nursing supervisor. She's not a nurse, um, but she is in the role of nursing supervisor. And I made her aware of my concerns and the things that I had been seeing related to the mask. Um, I did mention to her that I had a student come to me. He said he couldn't breathe in his mask, and he had been wearing it for two weeks. It was tied around his neck. It was one of those um, handkerchief masks. And I said, what do you mean you've been wearing this for two weeks? And he said, it's tied too tight, so I can't take it off. So it was loose enough that he could pull it over his face, that it would go over his nose. But then the, the part that was tied was too tight around his neck. It literally had to be cut off of his neck with scissors. Mm. So I made her aware of that. I made her aware of other conditions and other things that I'd been seeing with just gross misuse and how dangerous it was. And she just responded to me that, well, this is a mandate and we're going to follow it anyway. You know, it includes wearing masks which I then responded to her and I said, you know what, I don't feel comfortable as a nurse enforcing something that I'm seeing being harmful that I know has potential for further harm, and I'd like to speak to the superintendent about this. From that, she just ignored me, and I never got a response back. Wow. So after that, I, I decided, yeah, so that's when I decided to take a stand. I chose not to wear a mask at work. Um, which got their attention, and then I and I also posted a five-minute video on a Facebook parent group, and that video was of a nurse in the beginning of the pandemic, and she was just demonstrating how to safely use and reuse a face mask to prevent cross-contamination. Wow. So it was really just an educational video. Right. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the video starts to go viral, get some attention, and then you get some bad news from your your school, right? Right. Yeah. So the school suspended me. They um, escorted me out of the building, uh, with, and they suspended me without pay. And then um, just recently, I was informed that the board voted to not renew my contract for next year. So at the end of June, I will be, you know, terminated. I did find out yesterday that they plan to reinstate my pay, although I remain suspended. And then I also had a summer position with the district, and that has been, you know, obviously canceled as well. So I am. Currently, um, the union also has not been very helpful with me. They did put in a grievance, which may be the reason why they're reinstating my pay. Um, but they did, the lawyer from the union advised the NJEA to not send any funds for any further litigation in my case. Yeah, really, really remarkable uh, story. We, we keep saying we have free speech in America, but when you hear a story like your own, you wonder whether we really have free speech anymore. You weren't doing this to be malicious. You weren't doing this to be a provocative protester. You, you by your own account, you were doing this because you were worried about uh, the safety of children and the long-term effects of masks. And of course, our own public health officials in Washington were all over the map on masks. They don't help. They do help. They don't help. They do help. Not mandatory. Should be mandatory. Um, it seems as though uh, this uh, penalty doesn't seem to match the. Uh, alleged offense. What is next for you? What do you do now? How do you fight this? What is your goal going forward? So right now, I am just going to keep um, promoting that, you know, these, these masks are harmful. And I think it's working a lot. I've gotten so much support from the community. We did have a protest at the board meeting last week on the 10th, or this week on the 10th, um, and about 350 people came out on a Monday night and supported us supported me 
and the unmasking of the kids. And that's really my goal here is to wake people up, get people talking and saying, you know what, this is harming our kids and we need to push back. So I'm hoping to continue that. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to need to pursue legal action at this point. I'm hoping not, but I was threatened that my nursing license may be taken away. Wow. Um, and I would like to pursue legal action, but like I said, I'm not getting much help with the union. So there is a fundraiser that was set up um, for that just in case. Is that, where is that on GoFundMe? That's, you know, that's where I'm going right now. I'm just, no, it's, um, I've heard that that's not very good for sometimes conservatives on that platform. So it's called securedonors.com. Okay. And it's slash nurse Aaron plus support. Wow. All right, folks. So if you're interested in getting behind Aaron and, and uh, making a statement about free speech, um, uh, again, all you were trying to do was have a debate. You weren't instructing children not to wear their masks. You were trying to get the attention and you went through the normal processes. That's what's amazing here. You tried to escalate within your own uh, command structure, but you couldn't get to the people who made the call, correct? That's right. You know, and John, I've witnessed as a school nurse, I've witnessed these kids being harmed physically, emotionally, and developmentally because of these masks. And I put my job on the line to help and protect them. And it's time for every teacher who cares about kids, every doctor who took an oath, and every every nurse who's a patient advocate to stand up and make a stand and start protecting these kids. That's what we really, really need to do. Yeah, it's an important debate to have. And again, science is still uncertain about a lot of things. And uh, it seems that a, a, a normal debate would be a good thing in America, but it doesn't seem that debate is allowed in many places of our country these days. It's certainly not in the school system. We see that with your case for sure. Aaron, thanks for joining us. And we want to stay on top of this. So we'll maybe have you back in a few weeks and see what, what if anything has changed, if you've made any progress, if there's going to be any litigation. We'd love to follow this so that our listeners and our readers at justthenews.com are kept up to speed. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to be back on your show. Thanks for having me today. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. It is time to get in the weekend. Time to throw away all the stress of work. Get outside with your family. Go to a sporting event. Take a deep breath of fresh air without a mask on. All those things are possible this weekend. And you know what? You can also go to your grill and visit my friends, my good friends at KansasCitySteaks.com. Put in Just News in the uh, checkout box, all one word, Just News, and you'll get incredible discounts, free shopping on some of the best barbecuing meat, some of the best uh, grilling meat you'll ever have. They've got desserts. They've got side dishes. They're my favorite. I can't wait to go out and cook with the great folks at Kansas City Steaks. I'll be doing that again this weekend. You should, too. All right. Well, let's get started. Let's 
spend no more time. Let's get on to the weekend. God bless you. God bless this amazing country of the United States of America, as he always has. Enjoy that weekend. We'll be back to you Monday with more news, more interviews, more investigative accountability reporting from justthenews.com and John Solomon Reports.